Ooh, yes. Pillow humping. Mm. I was a pillow humper. So many humpers. I love all the humpers. Me too. I mean, bring humping back. Hello and welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to healthy relationships. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah, and I am joined by my loving, committed, <laughs> wonderful co-host, Robin. Oh, thank Hi, you. Hi, Robin. Hi. I'm feeling big love for you today because I thought I was going to be able to give you a hug in person. Oh, yeah. And then we ended up recording remotely, which is totally fine. <laughs> but I am have big heart eyes for oh, you. Oh, thank you. And that's sweet. I appreciate that. I'll hug myself. Pretend Yay, it to you. Nice self-hug. <sighs> yeah. Things are <sighs> intense right now. Things are intense. Yeah. Anything giving you a fuck yeah? Yeah. I actually, part of the intensity is giving me a fuck yeah. A few episodes ago, I talked about how I moved into our back house area and I've had a lot more alone time because of that. And I was cooking and everybody else was in the front playing video games. So I was by myself and I had a moment to myself and I started having really big revelations about my childhood, like that kind of thing where you have certain lore about your childhood that you don't think that much about. But then one day as an adult, you're like, wait a minute. That's not just a story. That was a real thing that was fucked up. Like from my adult perspective, I was having huge emotions about something. So what I've always done in the past is like go and run and hide and cry and then come back or something. But what I did this time because I was alone and because I've been doing so much somatic work, I started jumping up and down and shaking my body and vibrating myself a lot. Ooh. I had this really huge vibration going on in my body that was like the grief and the fear and all of the sadness from my past. And so I started jumping up and down and shaking and vibrating. And then it almost immediately moved right into my throat and was almost like just really almost gagging me stuck in my throat. So I started yelling I started like roaring, like getting my Leo on and I was tapping my larynx, like tapping my throat and yeah. just vibrating everything. I'm getting chills talking about it now because it was such a huge release. It was like popping the biggest emotional childhood trauma pimple that I've ever experienced. Wow. And I'm just happy I got a fuck yeah in my growth right now around just getting to the point where I can recognize what the emotions are, do the introspection, and in the moment of real emotional madness, be able to. Part of it, I will say, it's because I started reading Burnout, which you suggested. Oh, good. And I was like, I am going to complete the cycle. 
And so I felt the huge emotion mm-hmm. and I did the zebra shaking it off. I just, I was shaking it off. I was Taylor Swifting it. So. That's so amazing. You know, it's interesting. They talk about like the chakras and like the energy centers, whatever language you mm-hmm. want to use around that. I know chakra, it makes some people want to barf. Um, yeah, I love them. <laughs> your throat is your communication center. Yeah. And so the fact that it localized there to me, mm-hmm. in my expert opinion, yeah. <laughs> sounds like this has been a thing that you haven't had voice around. Yes. Yes. And so by you roaring, yeah. vocalizing, that's like exactly the perfect thing to tell your body, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I see you. I recognize this thing was fucked up. Mm-hmm. And like, what a beautiful way to yeah. give love to your inner child and your current self. And I yeah. fucking love that so much. Yeah, thank you. It was huge. And it did feel like what you're saying. It felt like I was giving my little kid who was so scared the opportunity to scream. Because my yeah. whole coping mechanism as a child is around shrinking and disappearing. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're scared, you go and hide. And now... I'm, I'm, I'm letting my lion out. Basically, it felt very, I'm, I love astrology. I don't super, super (laughs) believe in it. But I do believe that I'm a Leo. So yes, yes, yes. Yes, you are my friend. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, let yourself roar. (laughs) Um, Well, we have a really lovely guest today who we have wanted to talk to for some time. Yes. And it didn't fit into last season. And so I'm so excited that we finally get to talk to Dr. Shannon Chavez. Like, talk about a very well put together, professional, Mm. empathetic, fun fucking therapist. Right. Shannon Chavez is a licensed psychologist and ASEX certified sex therapist. Her practice, it's called the Shape Center, but you can go to her website, which is drshannonchavez.com. She has a private practice and works with individuals as well as couples, but specifically she does sex therapy to address sexual concerns and build sexual awareness through therapy and coaching and she teaches workshops so Hmm. she's a really good resource especially for folks i think on the west coast not that she doesn't do things remotely she does retreats she's the whole package so we're going to talk to her about relationships and like what is happening in the state of relationships today maybe ask a little bit of advice since we have her here and um i'm gonna I'm going to sneak in a fuck yeah, too. Oh, you have a fuck yeah? I've been holding on to it for a little while, but it's like it really fits with this episode. Oh, I would love to hear your fuck yeah. Please, lay it on us. Good, good, good. (laughs) I'm sorry we're cheating, (laughs) y'all. Cheating the rules that we made up. (laughs) (laughs) Andrea and I started couples therapy. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you were already in couples therapy. Am I wrong? So right around the move is when we started. And our intention had been we had wanted to start couples therapy 
for some time, not because we were experiencing really high levels of conflict, but there are, you know, a few themes in terms of just how we kind of move into this next phase of our commitment and our committed life together. And then like wanting to set the right foundation. Yeah. And our communication styles are very different. I'm an over communicator. (laughs) Andrea is really good at taking a pause and then you might not ever hear about it again because she's (laughs) kind of worked it out on her own. Uh (laughs) But so our intention had been to be in therapy and actively like using therapy as a tool to help us through the move But then just the process of finding somebody was hard. So we really, the two happened simultaneously, which, you know, is maybe not like Sarah's perfect, quote unquote, doing air quotes, way of doing it. But at least it happened. But it's feeling very nurturing and loving and supportive and like a thing that makes me smile. I'm very happy that we are now both in therapy individually in therapy together it's nice it's so smart for you guys to be doing this before you're in crisis Mm -hmm. which is the typical way to go about it of like we're just going to work it out until it's untenable so it's great to spend that time and effort in your relationship before things get really out of control so that they don't even ever have to get to that point. Yeah, and I'm really appreciative to have a partner, a love who is open to engaging in the process with me. It's a modality that I I like. I, I don't think it's perfect, but she's been real open hearted about it as well. So it's been a very open hearted process and yeah. I feel very fuck yeah about it. Uh, fuck yeah to vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring Dr. Shannon on. Hooray. Hello, Dr. Shannon. We're so excited to have you here. Welcome to Fuck Yeah. Fuck Yeah. I'm excited to be here. Thank you both for having me. We're going to start you with a few warm-up questions just to get you in the mood. And we are wondering, what's your favorite thing to wear now? Clothing or otherwise? Could be makeup, could be, I don't know kinky, whatever. What are you into putting on your body at the moment? Ooh, you know what? I've been really into like a swimwear wrap that I'm just kind of roaming around in. I mean, what I mean, I kind of like to lie out in the nude. So I like these kind of wraps where you can quickly cover yourself and then it becomes sort of a thing that you can quickly take off easily. So I guess the more accessible, easy to take off, not a lot of fuss clothing, I'm all about that lately. You're like, just give me a yard of fabric and I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. But also the thing that got buried there is I like to lie out in the nude. (laughs) Oh, yes. That is also a really fabulous thing to wear. Yes, I've been actually recommending that my clients sun their genitals and their anus, all the parts that don't see the sun, how important that is to get a little vitamin D everywhere, especially down there. (laughs) I love that. So seasonally appropriate as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Who do you think was your first celebrity crush? Ooh, you know, I was just talking about this the other day. Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan the Barbarian. I was obsessed with that film as a kid. Actually, I was talking to my mom about it. I must have been like five or six. And 
I would request to watch that movie all the time. So yeah, Arnold. You're like, there's a man. I was like, Conan. And, it, and I remember her saying, God, it was so sexual. There were, it's kind of a dark film. And so, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Him with the big staff and the, the headband and the you know, loincloth. Yes, that, that was the first celebrity crush for sure. Wow. That's so interesting. I love it. Arnold, I would have never guessed. Prince is my all-time favorite musician in like David Bowie. So I loved androgyny and sort of this sort of femme musician. But then on the other end of that, it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger in this sort of barbarian role. So there was two very big extremes yeah, you love as, it a, all. as a young person. Well, and I think it's interesting <laughs> that Conan in particular, there's not a lot of films where men are hypersexualized in that way, where you're really seeing it's all about the glistening body and showing as much as possible and displays of strength. And that kind of homoerotic mm-hmm. stuff, we don't get that much. It's kind of the male gaze forced upon men is my favorite kind of (laughs) yes yes i love it that's a good point all right i can't wait to know um what was your first mode of masturbation Ooh, yes pillow humping Mm. i was a pillow humper so many humpers i love all the humpers me too i mean bring humping back i talk about it a lot with my clients how important it is as our sort of first experience and Actually, even outside of the pillow, I'm thinking about it now. I had this big Pegasus stuffed animal that was probably twice my size. And I used to ride that thing around. And so that was kind of my own little humping device, too, because I used to ride it around. And then I would be really happy. And my mom would be like, what are you doing over there on the humping and jumping around the house on this big stuffed animal? I mean, that (laughs) is the girl horse connection. Am I right? We're all just, you know, the vision of early Shannon, like (laughs) riding the Pegasus around watching Conan. (laughs) It's such a great mode of masturbation, riding your Pegasus. It's the most high femme masturbation. I love hearing about all the humping, especially after like the true shape of the clitoris coming out in the last 10 years and us like getting used to what the clitoris actually looks like. It's like having a penis flat against your body. So humping just makes perfect sense. Like you're actually utilizing the whole clitoris. Exactly. You know, all the parts and and then even thighs, you know, I think even with humping, whether it's a pillow or sex furniture that they have nowadays, you actually get to incorporate your your thighs and mm-hmm. your buttocks and all these parts of the body as you're kind of moving. And I use a lot of that modeling for clients nowadays, too. What can you do even during masturbation so you're not just, you know, holding a vibrator, that you're moving your whole body and hips and how important that is, especially if our first experience was humping and kind of, you know, straddling a little pillow or many people with stuffed animals. So I, I think that's that's good to kind of bring that back. Sarah would, would hump her Cabbage Patch doll's head. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. The hard plastic head. And- Every time somebody brings up humping, I have to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's, just, let's just make sure everyone remembers. Everybody remember um. Sarah humped her Cabbage Patch doll head. I mean, that kind of brings us into your practice. Uh, that's a nice segue. And I feel like we are living through a very interesting time right now mm-hmm. and you know when there are big global events that change us it definitely plays out in our relationships and i am so curious what is happening in your practice right now are there any interesting relationship trends that you're seeing 
Ooh, yes. Uh, definitely in dating with singles. I'm seeing a lot of trends. I think people being more open to exploring ethical non-monogamy, mm. being open to kind of stepping out of their comfort zone. I see kind of commitment changing in relationship trends, even in, with couples that have been in relationship or have, you know, more companion and intimacy, they're changing their relationship. I call it designer relationships. They're kind of getting rid of the old, outdated traditions or rules and figuring out their own rules, designing their own path, not having to model so much about what's familiar or what's been taught, but kind of stepping outside of that. And I love that. I am all for that. That's what I practice in my relationships. So I love that people are giving themselves permission to make relationship work for them, not have to kind of fit into a mold or roles and, and things that just don't work for them. So I'm seeing a lot of that, people really coming in and needing a little bit of assistance and collaboration and guidance on how to do that. You know, how can I, you know, make my own rules? What would this look like? Is this okay and normal? And yes. Yes, yes. I agree with all of that. Yes, yes to all of it. I feel like there is a progression in the culture at large towards authenticity, you know, with gender expression and with what we do for work, even with the way design and fashion is going right now. It's really themed around just vibrant, full on expression of the self in the most authentic way. And I, I love that for the movement right now. It's wonderful. I feel like there's like another wave of feminism happening right now, at least like what I see on TikTok and stuff. Maybe it's just the corner of TikTok that I've found myself in, but it does really seem like there's all of these older and younger women able to speak to each other really candidly now in a way that is influencing the culture at large. And maybe it's happening on other platforms or in other places, or maybe I just have a skewed sense of it from what I'm seeing on TikTok, but it really feels like there's a new wave of like, look, if you're not going to make my awesome single life better, then I don't want to be in a relationship versus my generation growing up. It was like romantic love is the highest form of love. And if you're not in that kind of relationship, then you are a lesser person. And this, mm -hmm. there's this new mm -hmm. mentality that I love about like, I am good enough on my own. I am creating a world that is authentic and right for me. And if you would like to enter into that space, it's only because you are making it better and more fulfilling. I'm like, what? This is amazing. Are you noticing that? Or is it just like this one corner of TikTok that I happen to find? Or is it happening at large? No, it's happening at large. I'm so glad you brought up TikTok because I think what TikTok's giving us is access to those voices that are reminding us of our own, right? And when you hear those voices, you realize I'm not the only one who thinks that way. It, it normalizes it. It empowers people to step outside of the familiar. As you said, you know, the romantic love notions, the idea that this one and only partner is going to meet every single need that you have. And I think what you're describing is that we're finding our intimacy needs met in a lot of different forms. Women in social circles, people in social spaces, different identities in what we're doing. That's what I love about social media is we have a picture of that now. We can actually see what's going on for everyone. So I do see that as a big trend. I see people finding that community, that sense of belonging, you know, getting those needs met. 
also feeling more independent on their own. You know, it's not a stigma to be single anymore. If anything, that's the hotter trend than being in a relationship. So people are kind of owning that and proud of it and, and not feeling that that rush or that expectation to, to be in a relationship. You know, that's kind of how I grew up too. You got to find someone and security and all these things that people are doing that on their own nowadays. Life has changed so much that that stuff is not as important. Values are different now. And I love that. I mean, relationship should be a choice, not something we feel we have to do or that if we're not doing it, something's wrong with us. So I, I think this is a good thing. Yeah, I feel like we're shedding off the survival skills. Like relationships used to be about survival. And the other thing that I've noticed on TikTok amongst the conversation of women is pointing out the micro patriarchal structures as well as the macro. Mm -hmm. Because that is huge. I think that for me, before I was on TikTok, and when I was staying at home with my children, it's very isolating. And I was just like, oh, it just is just happens to be because my male partner happens to make more money. And I, you know, it's just the happens to be the right time in my life. And then all of a sudden, you're doing all of the domestic labor when that was never the agreement. And then you're tr struggling to get back into the workforce. And then you get on TikTok and you're like, oh, this is happening to hundreds of thousands of millions of other women. It can't be coincidental. You know what I mean? And you start being like, oh, even my most intimate relationships are under this patriarchal structure. And it's alarming. Like I was a riot girl, you know, I, I was like, ah, I'm a feminist from early on. And to find myself in that situation, I was like, oh, shit. But it was really comforting to see how many other people had fallen into it. And then those people talking to the younger ones that haven't had that opportunity yet mm, being like, interesting. watch yourself watch yourself yes yeah. spend time with your it's kids a slippery slope but there is a setup to put you into a certain box and you have to actively try not to get put into that box to work against yes. it you know yes. that's what i've learned <laughs> and generations under that too yeah so many generations yeah. yeah well yeah it's passed down and i want to find the study and maybe i'll i'll look for it and we can link to it but there is a study that shows that mothers in the workplace have worse outcomes than single women who are not parenting but fathers in the workplace right. have tons of professional benefits they get higher pay they have more leniency more time off things of that nature like you get this kind of glow up mm -hmm. when you are a working dad <sighs> yeah um but working moms are punished professionally they get a glow down and it just you know it speaks to all of these things where you think it is like oh this is like a personal struggle that i'm having and then you look at the culture and you're like oh no this is actually how it's designed mm -hmm. for this institution to work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so Robin and I are not the young single <laughs> folks mm -hmm. out there. We're both parents. We're both in committed relationships and I think have had our own unique struggles with that. Like there is I, I think that I came into motherhood, marriage, all of those kinds of things with a little bit of like a Wonder Woman complex mm -hmm. of like there's a benefit to doing it all to um 
in my case, I, I have continued to work through parenting, uh, raising your kids well, being like the, you know, in the perfect relationship, caring for aging parents. And you go like, okay, I'm doing it all. And it feels like shit. Yes. And yeah. like, I, there's no way to do it all well. So oftentimes what I think can happen is kind of the relationship is where things sort of roll downhill. Mm-hmm. Nothing else can give, mm-hmm. you know, like your kids needs can't give the demands of your job can't give. So like self care mm-hmm. and relationship is kind of where things have to give. But I know that there is a way to stay in committed relationship and also have a thriving independent life where personal growth is still part of the mix. This is a very big question. Yeah. Do you but... know the spell or potion for relationships? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What's the magic potion that I can take and, you know, have all the things? <laughs> I love that you said that, though, you know, the idea of doing it all and the expectation of that, you know, being this Wonder Woman. And I, I think that relationship needs to focus on being in roles that you support each other more than, you know, just, you know, helping out here and there. But Supporting each other in that independence, in that self-care, being able to have a lot of support around spending time alone, even if it's, hey, I need an hour or two in the bedroom with the door locked and I don't want any interruptions, but being able to be very open and authentic and truthful about what you want and also just asking for what you want and not feeling guilty about it. If it is, you know, I need a day to myself or I want to go away for a day or weekend and I need you to help with the kids or, you know, just really asking each other for what you need and want without feeling guilty about that. I know the guilt is a part of it because we feel like we should balance it all. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important to you know, have realistic expectations for yourself. Why does it need to be perfect? Where does that message come from? Is it because right. we don't mm. really see any models of women being messy, suffering, being in pain, mm-hmm. not <laughs> thriving? You know, we see these sort of perfection models. And, and so it makes people feel very isolated. We feel guilty that we can't do it all. But I think when it comes to what we know about ourselves to recharge and to get back into balance, we're not asking for those things. It could be simple things like, you know, getting that, taking a nap during the day or getting some help in something that you usually do on your own, but you might want, you know, a partner to participate in or to take that responsibility that week while you spend some time doing what you need to do. So I do think there needs to be a better, not necessarily division of labor, but all, all aspects of the relationship, even around sex, even when it comes to having that on your plate of, oh, now I've got to initiate and make time for connection. That should be something that is a partnership issue and solution that doesn't require, you know, one person having to have that all on their plate. Because then it's going to feel like work and an obligation rather than pleasure and recharge Mm -hmm. and something that actually, you know, makes you feel good. And even redefining what sex actually looks like or what intimate Mm -hmm. touch looks like. It doesn't always have to be this huge sexual event. We can have intimacy in other ways. Yes. I mean, that's the thing that I hear the most of is sex is such a specific definition. You know, it's penetration, Mm -hmm. genitals, all the things, orgasms and all the things. And I like the word pleasure. You know, we Mm -hmm. don't tend to 
look at pleasure with a negative lens. I mean, pleasure is feeling good. It's light. It's ease. It's play. It's fun. And so sex has not become that. I mean, it's become so complicated. There's goals. There's things that have to happen. And what if they don't happen? And what if I can't meet your needs? And all these things that are going to happen that we don't really think about when we're looking through the lens of pleasure. Have we ever complained that, oh, feeling good wasn't perfect enough, you know, or having my favorite meal wasn't, you know, all the steps didn't happen that I needed to. I mean, we're such, we have such a different mindset when we really drop into pleasure. So defining sex from a pleasure definition, I think is important so that it's, you know, can it be uh, jumping up and down, laughing and giggling and touching each other? Could it be something completely outside of your norm and box? And yes, I, I think that's important for us to expand that definition with a lot more pleasure and fun. Because what I notice is people are not having fun with sex. Sex is something that becomes boring or routine. or uh, and, and that to me is my biggest goal. If I can get you to have fun and bring pleasure into sex, that could be all you really need to shift how it's happening in your relationship and with your relationship with yourself as well. Well, and I think it's an important thing that you bring up around guilt. Mm. There's a series that I teach with Anne Hottership, which is a pleasure attitude reassessment course. Mm. And I just remember teaching that class and one participant who was in the class, like guilt was so on the surface mm. for them as someone socialized female who then had become a mom who was in like a heterosexual relationship. It's just these things kind of get compounded because we actually are socialized with a lot of guilt around things that are pleasurable. Uh, like the term guilty pleasure right. is such a perfect yep. example, yes. I think, of, of, of our culture, mm -hmm. you know, and how we think of it. Like, I can only consume this trashy TV show if I earned it. You right. <laughs> or if I feel it's shame. So toxic. <laughs> and then you get into these other like caregiving roles. And so then the guilt kind of gets compounded on top of that. And I don't know that I've found a good way to address the I mean, I think like I'm conscious of it, but it still comes up for me, like particularly in relationship to my child. Like if I'm doing anything <laughs> that is possibly inconveniencing her or creating any kind of discomfort for her, which separation from me does, then it's like, oh, it's just like it's served with this side of of guilt and mm -hmm. like I feel it like in my gut yeah and it's it's a really hard feeling to work through it's hard when your self-care is wrapped up in that as well mm -hmm. we're taking time for yourself that's a huge struggle for me like feeling guilty that I'm not spending time with my kids because I need to relax that is a very difficult thing for me to do and it's part of why I've struggled so much because I have trouble doing that so it's not serving anyone exactly and then you think too where, why do I feel guilty? Whose messages and programming is this? Is this? Is this from what my, you know, my mother or caregivers modeled for me? Am I just saying that as a constant representation in every media source that's out there? 
we don't see a lot of that. Right. So we're constantly observing and programming in these beliefs about how we should be. And we don't really see that balance. I can't think of too many examples where we see that balance maybe in successfully or in a way that, that doesn't induce some sort of guilt or, or shame or discomfort as a result of, of, you know, taking care of your own needs. So I think that that becomes a big part of it, those messages that we tell ourselves over and over again, especially when it involves your child. You may say, you know, this it's upsetting for, for the child or, or, you know, it's going to impact them in some way. And those can be faulty beliefs. If anything, you taking care of yourself can actually benefit your child in so many ways and help them flourish. And also, as we're saying, modeling, model for your child how important it is to take care of yourself and balance that with everything else going on in your life. So we're, uh, you know, wanting to pass down new generational programming that can help change that, change some of those old outdated ways. You know, there just wasn't a lot of permission or even even the idea of moms and self-care, I think, is a new concept. I mean, I think of two generations ago, I, I can't even imagine coming from a Latino background where that was even a concept. It was not, you know, uh, everyone was taken care of before self in terms of, you know, the matriarchs of the family. So... This is a new concept, but I think we have a lot of opportunity to model some new ways of seeing it. And that's going to reduce the guilt, you know, because we're going to, it's going to normalize it. It's going to make it a much more uh, desirable and uh, supported notion than it ever has been. I think a big key part of it is community. You know, asking for help is a big part of it. And having room and space to be able to have self-care is that you have other people that also care about the child, that the child also cares about. They have a relationship and you can draw on, on multiple people to help you with kids. And then that takes a lot of pressure off of your relationship, gives more space for your intimate relationships. And then you, you know, the mom pound was such a big thing. Shannon, we should fill you in that Robin and I feel strongly that the nuclear family is a lie <laughs> that we have been <laughs> sold because of capitalism and it is not serving anybody. <laughs> We're not down with it anymore. <laughs> No, no. But something you said made me think of there is this idea of like, you don't want your kid to experience discomfort. Mm -hmm. Because we all are being much more intentional and thoughtful and considerate of trauma events. But there's a difference between causing harm and allowing there to be discomfort, you know, kind of doing that dance. But that also makes me think of like when conflict and discomfort comes up in relationships yeah. and how uncomfortable that can be as well. And that's maybe something that I feel is a little bit of a lie that I had in my, you know, like being raised on Disney movies <laughs> uh, brand of relationships is that conflict, discomfort, these are natural things that are going to come up in any kind of relationship. So do you have a tool that you really like for either communication or approaching conflict or maybe even just like rebranding conflict a little bit in terms of, you know, how it shows up in our intimate relationships? Oh, I love this question because I, I think that we over communicate. And I think even when we're thinking about the parent child dynamic and our romantic partner dynamic. I mean, we over communicate in terms of 
feelings or conflict where we may not even think about what we really need from that communication before jumping into it. I feel a certain way and I want you to know and I'm going to open up and disclose all of the details and narrate why and in my hopes to regulate or feel better. And we're kind of dumping out a lot of information and triggering each other and focusing on details that don't matter. So a tool that I often use is just self-regulation in general. You know, what you're feeling. I always say emotions cycle. So to be with your emotions at least for a minimum of 20 minutes to allow yourself to really connect with what is going on for you. And then getting to that rational place of, is there a problem that's even solvable that I want to bring into my partnership? And if it's a conflict, what's the conflict? Am I, is there a disagreement? Did I not feel validated? Is there a behavior that's happening that I want to address because it's hurting me in some way? But often we don't do much of that self-assessment in being aware first and we kind of jump in and then communication gets messy. We may end up using past hurt or other issues to mm-hmm. help us get to that need and then it becomes this gigantic mess. And so I always say my couple's tools are less is more, Mm. being very mindful about what you want to say. And it doesn't have to be kind of planning out your bullet points, but sometimes, yes, when you do that, you realize this is not important. I can deal with this on my own. I may not need to bring this into conversation with my partner. So there are different ways that we can address that, but also just what do we need out of that? If there is a conflict, what, what do I need? And being able to ask for that in a very direct way. You know, I need you to listen. Mm -hmm. I need to know that what I'm saying is important to you. I need to know that this won't happen again. And we have some boundaries that we're establishing or re-communicating to one another so that we're not in this conflict as a pattern in our relationship. So I think that's important. I think that often the old model of couples therapy has been putting out fires and a lot of communication. And, you know, we got one thing done and then this pops up and... I kind of do away with that. I, I'm really looking at the energy and vibe of the couple. What's what's going on mm-hmm. between you? How are you reacting? Your body language. What are some of the things that are irking you or, or when your partner's responding with need or needing something? And how are, how what is your energy doing as you're hearing that? And being a bit more mindful and embodied with communication and conflict so that we're not all over the place and unconscious and, uh, you know, bringing in all these webs and messes of things that may not have anything to do with the actual incident or or situation itself. It's like dealing with the underlying currents going deep down rather than these waves all the time. It's like the waves are just a symptom of whatever's down in there. Yes, yes. And sometimes it's the same thing over and over again, different situations. Mm -hmm. So I see that even with conflict to think about what is this really about? And is this a pattern or even a habit that we get into in our relationship that we want to bring some light to and understand that it's a function. It has it has a purpose. And I think couples get a little bit sometimes dependent on conflict. Mm. It's some of the ways that they actually experience intimacy. And again, in my culture, that's very much modeled, you know, sort of the dramatic exits and the stonewalling and, you know, these sort of ways in which you're, you know, if you love me, you'll chase after me if I walk out of the room. And so we have a lot of these things that we may do and that we see over and over again that aren't really serving us. So bringing some light to those patterns so that you know how to to change them or diffuse them or, you know, again, reintegrate or engage them in a, in a way that's 
going to be more helpful for you and the partner. Yeah, I love that call out of conflict can be a way to gain intimacy mm-hmm. or prove value or love or those kinds of things in the relationship. And that if you develop a habit mm-hmm. around it, that then it becomes that sort of crutch almost Yeah, that you fall back on. My husband's a math guy. So, you know, he sort of will quantify some of those patterns and say, hey, I noticed that every three months there's this thing that happens. And I'm like, don't blame my hormones or I'll say something. And I just kind of noticed that. And that made me reflect like what's happening every three months where I go through this, you know, uh, maybe something flares up an old attachment wound or is there something happening in our relationship around that time that the pattern gets reinforced and activated. So sometimes that's that's good to kind of talk about it like that because you get to see something that you're not observing yourself that can help you say, oh, yeah, let me look at that. What is that all about for me? Even giving feedback. I, I think couples are so afraid to give feedback even around sex and intimacy. And it's not, you know, a scorecard and, you know, being very critical, but just feedback. How was that experience for you? How was that communication we just had? What were things that worked really well? What might we do differently? But being able to work together as a team with feedback being a central part of that foundation is important. We shouldn't be afraid of feedback. You know, it's not about hurting each other. It's about growing and learning from a lot of situations that are happening within a relationship. There's so much going on at all times. There's there's you. I always say three spinning plates. There's you, there's there's me, and there's the couple, and we're balancing all of it, and some are weighing more than the other, and we've got to examine that and look at how all of that is connected and uh, be able to, to talk about it, give feedback. Yeah, I'm giving a little more here than there, and that's off balancing here, and, and you know, let's talk about it and see what's working and what's not rather than just being angry about it or upset or, you know, I want you to, you know, understand this rather than being, you know, solution focused around what to do with it. A lot of people come to couples therapy when they've reached a pretty high level of conflict already. And I feel like couples therapy gets a bit of a bad rap. I have always had this goal in mind that I would start therapy at the very start of a relationship once you know it's serious, because then you're just like putting the good habits into place. And like, it just for me, at least has not been realistic to do that. But I feel like people have a lot of fear around couples therapy and that that has a significance of it means that the relationship is over it means that you failed like we have a lot of this like failure messaging around like if a relationship isn't forever it's a failure you know is there a particular myth that you would like to bust around couples therapy and the experience of going to therapy with a partner? Yes, yes. And I think you kind of named it that it's not always for when your relationship's in crisis or at a breaking point. And I think back to what you were asking earlier about relationship trends, one of the things I do see is people coming into couples therapy early in their relationship. I've had people Mm. dating for two weeks. What? Yes, I know. I was shocked too. I mean, just again, they're, they're, they're like, hey, I like you. I'm serious about you. We have the right, the same values. I see this going somewhere. Let's go talk to wow. someone. And it could be 
exactly you know what sarah said you know getting on the same page learning the things that we need so that we're you know building this foundation as we go along or we have fears even though it's been an early amount of time in our relationship i don't want these fears and i want your support here as we talk through it because this is going to affect us in our coupleship so definitely it's it's places where people come to get ideas I'm also a coach, so I do a lot of, you know, uh, specific suggestions or recommendations or helping consult with a couple. It's not just kind of deep diving work. And I think that's also a myth. You know, I'm going to have to talk about my childhood and my trauma and the things that my old relationships. Not necessarily. You know, a lot of the times we meet you where you're at. We may focus on building some skills. We may look at ways to, you know, boost what's already happening in your relationship. So it can be really fun. It's not always the dread of, of going to couples therapy and, you know, what am I going to have to disclose? It, it can be basically anything you want it to be that's about getting the most out of your relationship and learning some areas or filling in the gaps where we might need some more specific tools or, um, you know, ways to do things that haven't worked in the past. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love you to break down that distinction between a coach and a therapist. I know that you are a therapist who's willing to bring like toys, for instance, introduce them to couples and like give homework and those sorts of things. And would you say that that is more of a coach? Like how what are what, what are the distinctions between those two modalities and like where do they overlap? Yes, I, I love this question. I, I'll start with therapy because therapy is more of a traditional model. You know, psychotherapy is looking at the conscious, the unconscious, the, even the things that we're not speaking to. We may look at patterns, the past, attachment styles and the way we do things and our behavior. So we're really diving deep into who you are as a person, your mental health, all these different aspects of your being and your wellness to understand how to overcome problems. It is more about an assessment and, and sort of setting goals towards treatment. It is more of a traditional model. Coaching is a little bit more free. Coaching is a lot of education, especially in couples work. I'm giving a lot of education as a coach. I am talking about, let's understand desire. Let's get into sexual anatomy and physiology if we're dealing with sexual concerns we may talk about communication in different ways we may do things like hypnosis and out of the norm alternative therapies so coaching has a little bit more freedom to expand outside of that model i don't diagnose i'm not using some of those more psychological tools it's more collaborative i think of it more as a team we become a team together and i may be able to give advice i may be able to be a bit more directive with clients as therapy might be a bit of more of a building that process and sort of the inner subjectivity that happens in the sessions rather than kind of collaborating with someone and saying, hey, kind of well, let's go together and let's figure this out. And so it's a different approach. I would say that my ideal approach is a combination of both because I find value in both. But sometimes people really do well with a coaching approach versus a therapy approach where they've done therapy and it's just kind of they're still kind of swirling or stuck where we might want to use something that is a bit more directive education and focused really in the here and now. You know, we may look at the past a bit, but coaching is let's look at what's happening today mm -hmm. and working from that. So it's not as much of sort of a past reflection model. It's really more looking at what's actually happening in this area 
And we're, we're diving there. We're diving in deep there. You're so speaking to my Virgo rising right now. I've been in therapy with my therapist, I think going on seven years. Long-term relationship. It is. It's a long-term relationship and it ebbs and it flows. And there are times where I'm like, I just don't want to fucking talk about it. Like, give me something to do. I have loved my therapist because she's continued to get trained in somatic practices. So she's really good about getting things into the body. There are times where I'm like, I just want to do a thing. <laughs> do you have a favorite coaching tip that you like? I mean, I know it's everybody's so specific and every couple's so different, but do you have like just something that you would like to impart on listeners in general that can be a great like bonding or sexual activity or anything like that? I love experimental work with coaching. So what I mean by that is mm. I might send a couple on a field trip somewhere, maybe a sex shop, maybe going out into nature, something that they're actually doing. I like the experimental field trips or home assignments because it it's you know, it gives people permission. I might have wanted to do this, but I'm not going to I'm not going to Suggest it or do it on my own. So I found that that kind of gives people a lot of space to explore and grow and experiment and expand. And uh, it's kind of fun. It is fun, actually. I always think I would love to get that assignment, you know. Mm -hmm. Being a human is so complicated. <laughs> we need coaches oh. and therapists and all, <laughs> all kinds of things. It's hard. Yeah, in all areas of life, really. Where can people find you, Shannon? Do you have anything coming up? Yes, you can find me on all social media platforms at Dr. Shannon Chavez. And I'm also on my website at drshannonchavez.com. And in terms of upcoming, you can go to my website and I have a tab that says events and it has all the information on my retreats and workshops that are coming up in the next couple of months. Oh, well, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Um, something that we have started doing is leaving our guests with an affirmation. So I have pulled one for you and you can just receive it or you can respond. It is totally up to you. It is do one thing today that makes you feel fucking fabulous. That's a little assignment for you. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, I love that. I love that. Fabulous. Taking my time. I have so many ideas on what to do. I'm going to definitely practice some good pleasure self-care as my uh, affirmation take home. I love it. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thanks for having me. It was so good chatting with you both. Robin, how was that for you? You know, Dr. Shannon is just so light and airy and pleasant. I could listen to her talk about almost anything all day, but especially about sunning vulvas and <laughs> not having shame and authenticity and open communication. It was just so nice to hear that there's therapists available out there like that, that she's out there doing such good work, and also that couples are moving in this more authentic direction with how we parent together, how we live together, who we're living with, how many people, what the conditions of that relationship are. I love that all of these things are morphing and moving away from preordained, restrictive, 
<laughs> debilitating for some of us roles that are just applied with a heavy hand that is so unnecessary. So annoying. Yeah, those were some interesting observations. The nerd in me likes to hear that people are coming in with higher expectations of their relationships or like, I mean, two weeks into a relationship. That's, <laughs> that's a little sooner than I would be ready. That's some real Gen Z shit right good there. Good for them, right? Like good, good for them. So good pretty soon, them. like like our kids will be um, meeting at the therapists, you know, or it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, Dr. Shannon is like a big, bright smile while still being so grounded and just really solid. You know, you feel like you're in good hands when you're talking to her. And I like highly encourage people to check her out for all of the amazing things that she does. I have a have you heard of for you. What? Ooh, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> it's there was something that she was bringing up that like sent all of these pings off for me of this modality called the work. The work. Have you heard of the work? I'll give you another clue byron katie i recently did look this up because oh yeah our couples therapist told us to but ah, i only I very briefly looked it up and i would love to know more because okay. apparently it is incredibly re relevant to my relationship <laughs> oh yeah 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 i mean i feel mildly attacked by myself when i have done it oh boy and i'm so glad it came up because I was like, oh, I need to, why am I not regularly doing this? So this was introduced to me by a healer who my mom has worked with a lot and who I've done some sessions with. Her name is Sukmani. And the thing that brought it up for me when Dr. Shannon was talking is this idea of like reactive communication mm -hmm. and the ways in which our feelings can become truth mm -hmm. inside our own heads. Yeah. And then we react from that place as if like how we're feeling about a thing is actually what is the thing that has happened. Mm -hmm. So this process, it's four questions. Okay. And it's something that you can use if you're feeling activated, mm -hmm. if you're feeling triggered, if you're feeling, if you're having hurt feelings about something, if something's just kind of like, gotten under your skin and you're not quite sure why. Okay. And it's, I find it to be a really nice way to give empathy to yourself. Okay. So you were talking about empathy and I think yeah. we also need to give it to That's ourselves. That's right. All right. So you take the thing that you're saying, like, you know, you don't love me because you did X. Right. And the first question is, is it true? Okay, can we walk through this with a specific thing that I think that I know isn't probably is it true? Let's, let's okay. do it. I have a thought and emotion from my personal experience and, you know, patriarchy that men will never see me as a whole person. But that's the thing that I desire the most from them. Okay, so I think in, in this case, as you're going through this process, instead of it being men, it probably has to be a specific person. But just, just have it in your head. Okay. Okay, so you have this statement, like, I don't have full value. Right. Or this person does not see that I have value. 
is it true? And I think that that first question, what that first question does is it really just gives you a pause. Right. That thing that Dr. Shannon is talking about of like, give yourself 20 minutes. Right. Like, slow your roll. Right. Like, is it true? Is it true? And I think when you're asking yourself that question, what's coming up for you? I'm not sure if it's true. I don't want it to be true, but I wonder if social conditioning makes it so it's very difficult for some people to have that be true. Okay. Can you absolutely know it's true? No, I'll never know. Okay. How do you react? Like what happens in your body? What actions do you take when you believe that thought to be true? I feel angry and hurt and undervalued. Who would you be? What would happen if that thought were not true? I would feel more validated and seen and appreciated by the people that I care about most. And now you get to just sit with that. Hmm. So it's like this really simple thing of, is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? What happens when you believe that it's true? And basically, like, what happens if it's not true? Right. Those are the four questions. And that's just trying to get to the truth of the situation. I think it's also creating a little bit of a buffer. Right. Between the triggering feeling. Yeah. And, like, what other possibilities exist. Right. Like, by the time we get to the end of it, it starts me questioning what's the point of the thought? Like, why do I, why Mm. am I thinking it? Is it because... I have feelings of low self-esteem and I'm trying to pinpoint where it's coming from externally. Is it because I'm... Yeah, outsourcing it. Yeah. Or am I desiring things from people maybe partly because I know I can't get it from them? Is that why I choose certain people? Because I have this expectation and so I seek out that expectation. And if I let go of this feeling... Would that then bring what I'm missing into my life or what I feel like I'm missing? Because I don't need to be getting my worth from other people. And if someone's not seeing me as full human, that's their problem. Although it can be my problem and how they behave towards me. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I, I hate being a human. What just happened is like all the different ways it branches out, which is what I think is so interesting. The four questions are really simple. Right. But then depending on what the circumstances, you start going into like, oh, well, where is this rooted? Or, you know, where did this come from? Or, you know, you've talked about doing a lot of things to be kind of like one of the guys, Mm -hmm. you know? So like clearly there have been some actions that you've taken to unintentionally perhaps perpetuated right like i look at me i'm doing everything Mm -hmm. i can Mm -hmm. and you still just won't accept me for who i am and it's like yeah because you're showing up in that space for not like your full self not who you are not as who i am and for me sometimes i even then isn't even as positive like where i land of like oh well shit this is of my making right I think how it relates to what Dr. Shannon was saying is like, you haven't then spun out on the thought with your partner. You can bring it to them in a little bit of like a 
digested way of, hey, I'm noticing this thing and like, here's mm-hmm. my stuff in it. And here's something that would be helpful that you could do that would help me not feel this way or whatever, you know? So, yeah. So emotionally intelligent, such a better way to live than just yeah. trigger happy all the time. Yeah, yeah. I definitely you know? felt called out in a couple of things that yeah. she was saying. And I was like, oh, very interesting. Very interesting. Haha. Okay. So bookmarking the Byron Katie's The Work. I think that she does like live streams and stuff. Cool. Well, thank you for that process. So fuck yeah to the work. Fuck yeah to the work. So much work to do. Sarah. I'm glad we're on the path together. Yeah, me too. And that you've joined us, dear listeners. <laughs> yes, please find us at Fuck yeah Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Email us at fyapod at gmail.com. Let us know. I think we're going to probably be doing a listener question episode coming oh, yeah. up here pretty soon. It's about time. So send us your questions. Yes. If there's any guests mm-hmm. that you want us to have on, if you want to, you know, learn more about our therapy process. <laughs> you want to know about my childhood? I got yeah, a lot yeah, to tell yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Bye. Fuck Yeah Podcast is hosted and produced by Sarah Tom Chesson, hashtag my mom, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is by she, her, sir. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, or share with a friend. You can get in touch by emailing us at fyapod at gmail.com or find us online at fuckyapod.com. Thanks for tuning in.